Welcome to Neo Vanguard's podcast. I'm Catherine Kim, one of your hosts today. And I'm Kyunghoon Kim. And I'm Henry Hong. Thank you for joining us today. In Neo Vanguard's, we explore different concepts in art in the 20th and 21st century, from kitsch and pop art to feminist artists and performance art. Today, we are going to explore the concept of aura in the age of mechanical and digital reproducibility. That's right. And in order for us to do that, we'll begin with how the term aura came to be associated with art and what kinds of changes the world was going through at the time. Absolutely. So we'll look at how German-Jewish cultural critic Walter Benjamin developed the concept of aura in one of his most often cited works, The Work of Art in the Age of Mechanical Reproduction. It's an essay that was published in 1935 during the Nazi regime in Germany that talks about how art shifts through the technological developments that allowed mechanical reproductions like photography and film. And after looking into aura during Benjamin's time, we'll discuss Benjamin's lasting implications. Then we're going to look into our current age of digital reproducibility, nearly 90 years after Benjamin's influential work. Specifically, um, we will see how the concept of aura shines light on the present moment, and namely the advent of Bitcoin, the digital art trade, and non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. So let's dive right into it. What is Aura and what did Benjamin mean by it? In order to answer that, we need to begin a bit earlier with Walter Benjamin himself and the tumultuous world he lived in. Walter Benjamin was a German-Jewish philosopher and cultural critic who developed his critical thoughts in the 20th century. He was born in 1892 in Berlin during the German Empire period. Benjamin was among the philosophers and thinkers who studied at the Frankfurt School, which refers to a group of thinkers who were committed to Marxist theory and got together to discuss what modernity and modern life meant. And as we know, by the time he came into his academic and intellectual maturity, in his early 40s, the Nazi party, led by Adolf Hitler, took over Germany and began its violence campaign against Jewish people. So this political turmoil and modern technologies and changes must have been on his mind? Absolutely. His personal positionality as a German-Jewish philosopher and as a critic of the Nazi party gave him insight into just how dangerous mechanical reproduction could be. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Let's take a step back and look into another important piece of puzzle, mechanical reproduction. Within Benjamin's lifetime, he bore witness to radical technological, technological changes that people could barely imagine. In 1895 in Paris, the Lumiere brothers projected first moving pictures to the audience, which was a 46-second video of, of employees leaving a factory. To us, this would be one of these random videos we have on our smartphones, but for the people at the time, this was revolutionary. People could see a visual recording for the first time. What was even more influential was that these images could be reproduced. Images could now be put on film and transported, and shown to a large number of people. Now you don't have to be there to see what happened. Up until then, art in the so-called Western tradition had been 
what we see in traditional European museums. You know, those large-scale oil paintings of important people or events, like the birth of Venus, or one of the many Pietas. Historically, art was seen and valued for its traditional, or what Benjamin calls, ritualistic purpose. We can see examples of ritual in religious iconography related to the Catholic Church. The almost reverent way that the cave paintings of Lascaux call forth a wish to the heavens for a successful hunt and survival. According to Benjamin, the invention of photography, however, dramatically shifted the way people produced art, as well as what they meant in the world. How that photography and filming technology existed, people could produce and reproduce images without ritualistic value. And this change radically not only reshaped how people made and appreciated art, but also who got to appreciate art. To describe the work of art before mechanical reproduction, Benjamin discusses what he calls aura, which refers to the presence in time and space or unique existence of a work of art. As an original, the work of art holds a unique place in time and space that gives a specific context and meaning. It's this rare quality that makes it valuable and covetable. There is only one unique copy of the image of artifact in its original form and the time and space of creating and appreciating it. We can take a glimpse into this when we think about millions of people flocking to see Da Vinci's Mona Lisa at the Louvre, despite the millions of reproductions available for purchase and use both online and offline. This traditional mode, or a more erratic mode of painting, is that painting forms specific cultural, emotional, spatial, and temporal attachments during the time of his creation to the artist, to the history, and to the movements at the time. However, according to Benjamin, mechanically reproduced works mark a significant divergence from traditional art in that they lack aura. Because film and photographs are made to be reproduced, distributed widely, there is no longer a specific ritual of time and space, or specific cultural and social attachments as an original work of art. Benjamin calls this shift from a cult value to exhibition value, or a shift from deriving value from rituals to deriving value to in the ability to show it to a mass audience. For example, the first film that the Lumiere brothers showed was a paid showing of 40-something people. And even though we haven't been going to the movie theater since the global pandemic, we can easily remember how going to a movie theater is a social event for a community of people. And this shift shows how the exhibition value of mechanical reproduction makes art become more accessible and democratized for the masses. If traditional art derived their cult value from the singular ownership of the artwork by the artist, or by the patron, technological changes shifted art's value to how it was shown and how it reached a large number of people. So with the advent of mechanical reproduction, this chain of auras is broken. To this, Benjamin says, for the first time in world history, technological reproducibility emancipates the work of art from its parasitic subservience to ritual. So what does this loss of aura mean for Benjamin? 
He wasn't exactly lamenting the so-called good old days of art when he wrote about aura. Instead, he thought that this new form of art could be liberating, and that it could even help the masses become aware of themselves and what they could do. Because film has the power to transcend its context and reach many different groups of people, Benjamin thought that this social and community aspect of film and other mechanically reproduced art could help people share contexts and thoughts. In short, these new forms of art gained political value. But because these mechanically reproducible films had political power, it could also be deadly. You know, with the immense power comes immense responsibility and all of that. And Benjamin saw a haunting example in his contemporary moment in Nazi Germany. When Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party took control of Germany, they sought to garner nearly blind fanaticism in the German people through different ways, from waging war and oppressing minority populations like the Jewish people, people with disabilities and non-heteronormative people, to cultural propaganda. For example, the Nazi party funded and also produced propaganda documentary film called Triumph of the Will, directed by a Nazi supporter and filmmaker Lenny Reifenstahl. Triumph of the Will was a blockbuster of the time. It used revolutionary technology and techniques like moving cameras, aerial photography, and various lenses to effectively create a propagandic account of Hitler's Nuremberg rally. As a film that reached the German masses, the film and other films as well as propaganda greatly contributed to the rise of fascism in Europe. And in that rise of fascism, Benjamin meets his death. So for Benjamin, it wasn't the very reproducibility of art that was problematic. It was more about how it was used. Have you ever heard or saw the short video clip of a young kid? It is a looped 12 frames video, GIF video of an 8-bit graphic kid running across space with a rainbow trailing behind. This iconic GIF that hit 188 million views on YouTube was sold for a million dollars. The court scene Crossroads by Beeple was sold for six million dollars and now there's even a plot of land in the digital world somewhere that was sold for a one and a half million dollars. So how is it possible to sell things that don't have a designated physical original? Things that were designed to be reproduced is the first case. All these things have one common factor that they're all NFTs. It is very common to think that buying these pieces of art is dumb, crazy, and bubble but we first have to understand what type of world we are living in right now. Now, we are living in a world where there is an online casino in a VR world that is hiring full-time employees, where their job will be to just work full-time in the VR world. We are so close to the world like the one in the movie Ready Player One, where the metaverse is almost here. The artwork created by people named Every day, the first 5,000 days, contains 5,000 different images that he created daily from 2017 to 2021 in a single image. This artwork was sold for $69 million. Yes, without doubt, this price is crazy, probably bubbled, and maybe it is even stupid to pay that much money for an image. 
with the pride tag aside, what the sale tells us that we are living in a world where artists can mark reproducible or digital works to monetize them in this way. And this is the core of the NFTs. Then what is NFT? NFT stands for non-fungible token. Fungibility basically means that something is interchangeable. Reproduced images like the ones you could simply copy and paste will be fungible. Then non-fungibility means the opposite, with that things are not exchangeable. For example, we can think of things that has unique value attached to them, like plot of land, a collectible cards, a piece of artwork, some limited edition shoes. Then what is token? Tokens here refers to blockchain like Ethereum blockchain, which allows you to issue your own tokens, your own money on top of them. For example, this blockchain has its own currency known as Ether, which values about $4,000 right now. And there is a token on top of the Ethereum blockchain that is valued even more than $60,000 like you're in finance. In that way, people can use the security of the blockchain to issue their own tokens and do whatever they want with it. To simplify, think of it like a casino chips. In the case of casino chips, casino creates their own token that has specific values. Then they make a certain contract that makes sure that real life currency can be exchanged into casino chips of the same value. Through blockchain, they create a smart contract just as casinos make their own contract for the proof of the value. Um, the smart contract has only one function. If it receives money, it will send tokens just as casinos will give you chips. That is how people can issue their own token. And what if I made a contract that only issues a one token, only one? And what if I put a certain image or video or song or my even first ever Instagram post, whatever it is? This is what the NFTs are. In that way, when a person buys a $69 million worth of an image, they, were, they are not just buying a, a $69 million painting itself, but more of buying a unique token that will be only issued once. So the person is just buying a token with an image inside of it. This uniqueness of the token, in turn, ensures that the digital image or GIF is unique. It is no longer the same as the thousand images that will come up when you Google Yankat. Definitely brings an obvious question. Why would you buy it when anyone can Google it? Why would you buy an image that anybody can see, download, and even print to hang on their wall? What is the point of paying money for an image that everyone can copy? What does it mean to own a unique painting in the age of easy digital reproduction? If Ara was the main concern for Benjamin, monetization was another issue that reared its head during the age of mechanical reproduction because reproduction not only resulted in the loss of Ara and, the, and democratization of art for all its good and the bad, but it also resulted in easy reproduction and loss of its value. In the 20th century, artists dealt with this by limiting prints and copyright, copyright claims. Photographers would make a set of number of prints and mark each print by a unique number. When you see a photography work at the museum, you may have noticed a number of pencils in, it, in its corner. When you see a movie, you will also notice that there is never, there's the never ending war of pirating 
copyrighted materials from torrented pirated copies to YouTube pulling your videos down because it uses copyrighted materials. Now, in the age of digital reproduction in the 21st century, NFTs work in a similar way as the pencil in the number of, of its photographs. It becomes a part of the work that attests to its originality. In the age of digital reproduction, it regains the status as the image in the middle of ten, tens of thousands of images in Google Images. To go back to the question, then why would anyone pay money to get their own originals? It can be questioned in exactly the same way as the existing pre-reproduction in paintings. Why would people want to see uh, Vincent van Gogh's Starry Nights when people can just literally find a high resolution of an image of Starry Nights through Google? Why would people go to New York, spend their money and time and their resources when they can just literally print the Starry Nights for a good quality and hang it on their wall? It is because of the desire to go see the original as they, if they are drawn to the artwork itself. A simple desire where people want to just go see the real one. And that is what NFT serves for. NFT proves originality and it proves so that something came from the owner. This is the potential of NFTs. Imagine if the Pokemon company starts to sell the very first sketch of a Pikachu and the amount of money that will flow just for that. So how would this figure into Benjamin's reading of reproduction? The Benjamin focuses more on the political aspect of the mechanical reproduction rather than its economic aspects. The focal point of value and uniqueness in reproduction are intimately related. For instance, for mechanical reproduced work, like films that Benjamin mentioned in his essay to be lucrative, it has to walk a fine line between reproducibility and uniqueness. It has to be both reproducible to reach mass audiences, but it also has to be unique to the film production company so that it can control how people consume it and monetize the experience. In a similar way, NFTs allow artists to control and monetize reproduction of their works. As we are living in a world where we are used to copy and paste everything from the internet, where really nothing is really original in the digital world, where it is even hard to talk about the originality, NFT creates an ownership and the uniqueness which can prove that something digital is created from the source where it is the first time that we are having property rights in the digital world. For instance, there's a video game called Axie Infinity where you can train, race, educate a little creature that you can then sell. In this game, one creature has been sold for $15 million because of its rare stats and skills. And people, people are feeling okay with buying them because with NFTs, these things belong to them. It is their property. In that way, there is no owner of the game, no hacker that can take away your account. There is no server that will blow away, so once you have it, it completely belongs to you. Therefore, this is the first time on the internet that you can actually have a valid property rights where you can own something that completely belongs to you, that you can prove that it, would, it is yours and which is unique as well. 
ultimately, what would this mean for Benjamin's idea of Aurora? Do NFTs, in a way, restore the aura of the piece to a certain degree? For Benjamin, the context of the original artwork or its ritualistic value was what was unique and made up the aura. In the sense, the NFTs can be understood as an artificial way of attached contextual value to the artwork that would otherwise be completely lacking in a Google image. It could be understood as both an attempt to attach money value to infinitely reproducible digital works and perhaps as people's desires to find an anchoring point or restore aura in the sea of reproductions. Through NFT, it will create new industries such as creating NFT frames where you hang screens over your wall. Maybe people might need their own art room to present their NFTs in the VR world and then maybe there should be a curator that works full-time in the digital world too. Ultimately, what would this mean for Benjamin's idea of Aura? Of Aura? Do NFTs, in a way, restore the aura of the piece to a certain degree? For Benjamin, the context of the original artwork or its ritualistic value of was what was unique and made up the aura. In that sense, the NFTs can be understood as an artificial way of attached contextual value to the artwork that would otherwise be completely lacking in a Googled image. It could be understood as both an attempt to attach money value to infinitely reproducible digital works and perhaps as people's desires to find an anchoring point or restore aura in the sea of reproductions. Well, getting onto my ideas as those digital arts can be simply copied with two clicks through right click, save image as, it seems to be very stupid to buy them. However, I think these problems were over the art for its entire history of copying. In such case, even if someone brings me a copied painting of Van Gogh's work and tells me that this is the original, I would have really no way to identify if it is original or not. However, through NFTs, it provides a validation or certificate of authenticity to the reproduced works. So in that, in that way, Benjamin was right. And as he said, one day the copies will have its own aura. Now they really do, to reproving the authenticity. That's an interesting point. I think that it can be understood as sort of a desire of attempting to recreate. As mentioned before, the digital images of the NFT can be replicated throughout just by simply copying the image or saving it to your desktop even though it's bought as an NFT. So what makes an NFT so special is that you're gaining ownership to the property rights of the original work instead of the replication, even though there is no visible difference between the original and the copies. We basically live in a world full of reproductions. So what is the point of paying money for an image that everyone can copy? People from the past have strived and began mass producing. This can also be seen where people are having the same interests in the mass produced art form in NFTs, which is interesting in the form that an idea can be passed to numerous generations. In the future, what form of reproduction will take the place of this massively copy and pasted society?
To conclude, Walter Benjamin's idea with digital reproductions having an aura has definitely branched up to the modern days as well. We have so far discussed the digital reproduction example where Nazis used the triumph of the will as a propaganda, and which is also a shocking development in terms of motion pictures. We then went to discuss NFTs, also known as non-fungible tokens, as seen in the 21st century, in terms of how copying the original became a form of art. It is a far away when we look back onto the footsteps of development through time. On the other hand, there are concerned voices generated by the new type of art and currency form that has been created throughout the years. Environmentalists, for example, are concerned with how cryptocurrencies are damaging the environment. Recently, Tesla has announced that they will not be taking the payment of Bitcoin because of the environmental cost that mining Bitcoin creates. Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, also noted that Bitcoins are consuming the most electricity so far known to humankind. I think it is definitely a point we should look for. The next group will be presenting about pop art. Thanks for joining us.